This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. I am Patrick Abioli, and welcome to Rock Paper Pixels. We have a special guest today, a gentleman who has literally gone from rock to paper to pixels himself, an award-winning photographer, career coach, talent acquisition specialist, academic speaker, education chair for the Advertising Production Club of New York City. Within that group, they reach major media companies like BBDO, J. Walter Thompson, Omnicom, Publicis, and on. Also, he is tagged many times for numerous events, engagements, speaking around New York City and the island. Today, we have Jimmy Levin, and thank you for joining us, James. Thanks for having me. I wanted you to open up with a, a bit of a bio your career path and leading up to today's business that you work with and the, the companies you work with. Uh, well, today is Friday, so we'll be done with this on Saturday. <laughs> exactly. That's uh, a long story. But yeah. to keep it short and unabridged, um, as a kid, I really did have an early uh, legitimate interest in photography uh, to the point that there are photos in my mom's photo album of me at six years old with the brownie around my neck. Wow. And she would label the photo- uh, my little photographer. Of course, there was one of my brother and I, every Jewish mother's dream, that said my lawyer and my doctor. But, <laughs> but photography was the path I chose. And I, by the way, I still have that brownie camera. Um, so, yes, I had an early interest in photography to the point that I majored in photography in college. Um, I went to Franconia College, which was the first fully accredited alternative school in the country. Leon Botstein, now president of Bard, was our president at 28. Wow. Um, and he was not Mr. Botstein. He was Leon. Um, but I chose the school because, A, it was alternative structure, and, B, they had a thing called outreach. Uh, and that was the early days of work-study. And mm. you had to work at least one semester off campus. So majoring in photography, the interest, I had discovered a guy named Joel Brodsky. Joel Brodsky was a very famous um, well, I knew him for record covers. I was on the, involved with a radio station in college and um, noticed a lot of the graphics. Often what I was attracted to was work by this guy. So I had sought him out for my outreach program. And just for those listening that will never understand this, I actually called the studio on the phone. <laughs> I looked his phone number up in the phone book. <laughs> and a woman answered, and I just said, my name is Jimmy Levin. Might I speak to Mr. Brodsky, please? And she said, hold on. That's and, the amazing part. And two seconds later, a guy gets on and goes, this is Joel. What can I do for you? Think about That's that today. That's the more today. amazing part, yeah. yeah. Think about that today in this insulated world of technology, voicemail, emails, and so on. So I introduced myself, told him what I wanted to do, and he said, when you're in New York, because I was in school in New Hampshire, he said, come see me. I came back to New York for vacation, called. We set the appointment, showed him a portfolio, which I thought was really extraordinary work, and I remember he barely even looked at it. But he was interested in me, and sure enough, I did the outreach there. So six months in his studio. Uh, here's a great story, because my first day in the studio, um, the studio manager tours me around. This was a fabulous duplex on 57th Street. And for those of you that don't know, the old days of Mad Men, mm-hmm. all the agencies in those days were in the 40s and 50s on Madison. So our studios, the photo community, was really in the high 40s, 50s in New York, 5th, 6th, 7th Avenue, Broadway. Sure. So this was an amazing duplex near Carnegie Hall, and I see Studio A, Studio B, dressing room, production room, prop room, dark room, processing room. I mean, it was an endless facility. And there's a door, and Frank, the studio manager, said, and this is your office. 
And I thought, wow, I get an office. I opened the door, and it was the broom closet. <laughs> so the message was clear that that's what I would be tasked with maintenance. But I was happy to be there. And when I lecture students, I tell the story sometimes because it's all about attitude and having your head in the right place. Right. So this was a very busy studio, disorganized, and to a degree kind of messy. I decided, okay, if this is what I have to do, this is going to be one very clean, organized studio. And well, it that, was. That is you. And they recognized that this was a worker, and they elevated me to the set pretty quickly where I then learned how to work the cameras and equipment, and I was now part of the daily flow. Amazing. And I did not know when I sought out the studio to work there that he was also one of the top fashion beauty guys in, New York, in the city. So it was a double whammy for me. I was doing the record cover graphics <laughs> as well as working with some of the top models in the business. So after six months in the studio, going back to school, they gave me a nice little send-off party, which I thought was very sweet. Joel walked me to the door, and because I established myself, and again, this is an important message for students that are interning going. and dealing with entry level, attitude, efforts, all there. That's what people are going to recognize. You don't need to be a skilled photographer in a studio in the early days. You don't need to be a skilled office manager. You just have to show that you have a work ethic. But he walked me to the door and he said, when you're done with school, call me. You have a job. So I knew when I was going to graduate school, I had an assisting job, and that's what happened. Called him before school ended to stay in touch. Um, and that was it. I came to New York. I was a second assistant, first assistant studio manager, and eventually in 1980, I opened up my own studio. Wow. So that was the sort of path to my sure. own studio. I specialize in kids. I work for some major brands, uh, Mattel, Fisher-Price, Scholastic, uh, Random House, Macmillan, sure. your old neck of the woods, Mc McGraw, McGraw Hill. Right, yeah. I worked for them, did yeah. a lot of educational publishing. I worked for some of the largest global agencies in the world, BBDO, J. Walter Thompson, Ogilvy, Gray, a uh, variety of WPP affiliates, Omnicom, McCann at IPG, and so on. Um, I had a really, really good run. I've won a couple of Andy Awards, and for those of you that don't know, that's kind of like a little bit of an Oscar in the print world. Uh, I've been recognized by the Educational Press Association a bunch of times, Oppenheim Toy Awards. So I had a very, very good, illustrious career. And in 2007, I was diagnosed with a retinal disease, and I had career-ending eye surgery. And I wasn't fired, laid off. You've heard this before, Pat, sure. but I wasn't fired, laid off, or downsized. I wasn't a victim of the economy, but nevertheless, I was unemployed. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't articulate the way I was able to with cameras, so I had to start over. So I did a reinvention, a reboot, if you will. Um, part of what I think saved my transition was I was a state-of-the-art digital studio my last 10 years in business. I am not what I often call the young people today a digital immigrant. I was a dig um, I mean, I was a digital immigrant. They are digital natives. Um, but I was comfortable with technology. And given how technology has redefined everything today, if you don't have the tech skills, which you and I are going to talk about yep. a little bit, uh, you really don't have many places to go. So I think that helped me create a second and new career path. Yeah. Um, I knew the creative process well. That's why I was a creative service provider. I discovered recruiting, talent acquisition. Um, and you always had a very good temperament with people. That is correct. You were a coach. Yeah. And if you're thinking about creatives, you probably can't get anyone better than a little league coach to help them out because you really have to kind of play up to their or, you know, embrace their creative mind. Not easy to do. The secret 
in any business, in my opinion, is people skills are important no matter where you go. Sure. And it's probably one of the best um, transferable skills. And I felt when I had to reevaluate myself and reassess myself, you know, I thought of myself as a photographer. What else can I do? Yeah. But I realized that I was a business owner. I hired people, fired people, managed budgets on my own behalf. I managed budgets for clients. As an entrepreneur, I was a teacher and a mentor because I had uh, interns every summer. So there was a lot more going on in my head than I really gave myself credit for. And you were also a salesman. Yes. You don't uh, think of yourself no, that no, way, I, but, but I, somebody I, uh, had to feel comfortable yeah. enough with you. Yes. And the people you're naming, these are not small names. No, no. They're, they're, Large budgets, yeah. serious projects. So they had to feel comfortable. And your work spoke for itself. Without question. But also sometimes, you know, there can be a very difficult creative genius or it can be someone who's rational and thought and has a great perspective. And that goes back to your work ethic. And why Joel, when you saw the broom closet (laughs) and you didn't demand the corner office, said, okay, this is going to work out, right? And that's going to lead me to the next kind of area of discussion. Okay. You know, we grew up in the same area during the same period. We did. Five towns. Uh, if anybody's ever seen the Flamingo Kid, that was exactly where we grew up with those people. And the path was that everybody went to high school, went to college, and then a career of some nature. You kind of didn't. You did and you didn't. You didn't do the career that most people do. No. 70s, 75, 80. Those years to work in an arts industry coming from our area maybe was more typical, but definitely wasn't. goes back to the mom's photograph, lawyer, doctor. Well, but it's, it's every growing up in the 60s, 70s yeah. uh, from Long Island, you really had pretty much three career paths that were drummed in your brain. And that was really medicine, yeah. lawyer, or businessman, sales. Yeah. Um, I had no interest in any of that. I really wanted to be a photographer. That's just what I wanted to do. It's amazing. Um, and my parents did everything they could to get in my way. And, yes. You know, cl- typical story. The more they tried to get in the way, yeah. the more I fought to do what I wanted I, to do. I remember telling my parents that I was going to art school and, and the fear and that came over their face. Yeah. And I don't blame them. So, no, I... It, in retrospect, I get it. I now have a daughter who is in performing arts. Yes, She's graduating sure. in two weeks. And yep. She wants to dance. And I promised myself if I ever had kids, I would never get in the way of their dreams. This is her goal. It's her path. She's got to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I wish it wish her well. Yeah. But my parents, no, they, they didn't understand it at all. And I grew up with a creative mom. She was an interior That's designer. Right. Yeah. But it was a second income yeah. in a home. So it wasn't thought of as a career per se. And I remember my parents, when I had an opening studio um, in 1981, the year after I had opened my studio, I had a lot of clients, friends, colleagues, I had a lot of people there. And we had a DJ. This was a big 6,000-square-foot loft. And I remember my dad walking in, looking around, going, wow, this is pretty cool. All of a sudden, it was acceptable. Sure. Because he saw me. It was a tangible product. Yeah. So, and I, I want to I want to talk to you about that just a little quick. I won't go too far off okay. base, but I do want to reintroduce you, okay? Because as we go into this fifteen minute discussion, and I have learned from my producer, we forget to say the name over and over. Today we're speaking with Jimmy Levin. He is a uh, career photographer, now a talent 
and career coach. His website is jobsearchtherapy.com. But we're also going to talk about what he's actually doing today in his new gig that he got. And this leads me to my next thing. Today you work tremendously with students, yep. right? Yep. Uh, there's a great story about where you left off with the loft and your father. I think it was Jerry, oh, God, the guy who did Ocean's Eleven. His father uh, was old school sales. And because he was in entertainment or the arts, his father came to see him once in Hollywood. And he said, uh, I don't understand. Where's your inventory? How do you have a business? And Jerry, I can't remember his last name. He did all the Ocean's Eleven. Points to his head and says, my inventory's up here. Because he really was a creative. That's what he did, right? right? So the fear, I mean, I've been teaching college for 30 years. That's how we met through a student. Erica Lander, you put my name down as a reference. You called me. We started talking and we met. And the question is this. What are these students expecting career-wise when they leave school? How how reality-based are they? At that last, yeah, exactly, fall, spring semester. What, what are they? I, I think of you as, uh, I don't want to use the term Roach Motel, but you know the concept of they come in one way and they, don't and they go out totally different. So, or they don't get it at all. Get out of, <laughs> no, I mean, you really must. No, no, I, I look at myself as a funnel because, yeah, uh, thank you. Um, especially now that I'm working at a university um, and, and the college age demographic has become my specialty with this career transition. Um, thing that I now do. So I think of myself as a funnel because there's this wide opening, yeah. similar to your Roach Motel. But this yeah, is, this I really is, want to do that. Funnel's is, so is, much better. Is, yes, yeah, funnel's so much better. This is a little cleaner, thank you. Um, but I, I, my job is to take this wide scope of I don't know because yeah. there's a lot of I don't know. Mm-hmm. And you've heard me say before, my, my six words of wisdom are I don't know, I'll find out. Yep. Never tell me I don't know. Tell me I'll find out. That means you're doing um, something. Right. So they come in w- with this confused perspective. You know, there are those that clearly have a direction, and they're all set, and that's great. Uh, they're easier to help. Yeah. Uh, they still need some guidance along the way, but for the most part, they've got a sense of direction. Mm-hmm. And then there's everybody else. And that's about 65, <laughs> 68% of these kids graduating school with no sense sure. of direction. So I'm the GPS. I put them in that wide end of the funnel and I try and target them down. And getting inside their head is the secret. You've yeah. got to create the dialogue. Yeah. And sometimes you've got to push to get them to think about who they are, not necessarily who they want to become. You hope they can help you with yeah. that. But there has to be some point of view. Yeah, it has to be a perspective. Yes. It has and, to be a and direction. Then, and this is a lot of P words. But with perspective, you then need the plan. Yeah. And with plan, you then need the purpose. Uh, here's the thing I definitely want to ask. Well, let's get – I'll get to that in a bit. What do they think is going to be their first salary? This well, has got to be hysterical at this point. It really isn't, though, and I'll tell you why. And this yeah. is, again, where technology has changed. Yeah, sure. As we say, sure. the candidate engagement. Um, you know, it used to be you went and looked at for a job in the New York Times, <laughs> in the classified sure section. Sure did. But now you do everything online. Of and course. because technology does redefine everything, including how to find a job. So most of the students do know you can go to salary.com, sure. Glassdoor.com, and you can 
plop in the words. You know, it's keyword based. New York City uh, production assistant mm-hmm. communications. Um, and then that gives you the high low. So most of them come in with some expectation that's real. What do you think happens prior to the salary.com search? Well, Where do you I, think their head is? Probably up there. Yeah, a little bit. But also, I think, and I don't want to get on a tangent here. I really don't. But, uh, but the, you will. No, I'm trying oh, not to. Okay. The media world that they live in yeah. sometimes create a large delusion. And there's still plenty of that out there. Yeah. There really do you is. ever come across that? Of course I do. Um, you know, actually, I just working at Stony Brook University. I'm allowed to say that? Yes, sir. Okay, working at Stony Brook University, um, my area, we call it community, not curriculum, but I'm charged with business and marketing community. And we have, uh, just recently, I experienced a young woman who came in, and she told me she got a terrific, she's a senior, graduating in a few weeks. She was get, uh, gotten an offer from a company, I'm not going to say who, and, but she was going to turn it down. And I asked why. Because it was on her top three. Okay. And it was the first one she heard from. Okay. And my attitude is always take the sure thing. Yeah. If you get something better, you'll deal with that at yeah. the time. Yeah. But why would you even consider turning it down? I didn't think it was enough money. And I asked, may I ask what the salary was? And it was a very nice beginning salary for an entry-level kid out of school. And I was shocked. But her attitude was, I deserve more. So I like that sense of confidence, and we talk about that as a strength. However, you're 22 years old. You need a job. You were offered one. Why would you not take this? And it's in your field. Yeah. It's what you want to do. do yeah. At so, the company you wanted to exactly. possibly go. Yep. So, and that's what I'm sure so that's a small percentage. To it me. is. It is. It's not like, you know, that's my concern. Uh, the next one I want to know is how many of these kids take a year off? do that gap year thing when they uh, leave college. Do you hear about that a lot or no? No, I don't. Um, You think it's our region? You know, this New York City possibility that says no? It could be that. I never really thought of it in terms of our demographic that way, uh, our environment. Uh, Maybe something of that plays a role in it. But I think most kids are just programmed to get a job. I just do. I think today also uh, necessitates it. Well, um, the combination of a couple of ways to look at this. I mean, I went to an alternative college, as I said, mm. and I chose between high school and college. Another thing that was unconventional for me from where yeah, we grew that's up. I took a year you. off. Yeah. I hitchhiked cross country, and it also freaked my parents out. But that's why I wanted to have you do this, so, so, because you did do unconventional So I am things. an advocate of the gap year, whether it's between high school and college. Or in college and career. It doesn't matter. I just think it's a smart thing to do if that's where your mindset is. Not everybody can do that. You've got to be independent somehow to do that. You know, if your parents are going to subsidize you for a gap year, God bless you. Have a great year. Go to Italy and Rome and have a good time. Um, I didn't have that luxury. I had to pay my way, but it was worth everything to me um, because I really developed a sense of independence and, and just more confidence in myself. But back to the question of do they, don't they, I would say more don't. Yeah. And I don't really, I never really thought about it before, but I'm not 100% sure why that is. I'm thinking Northern California, year off. Maybe. I'm thinking Maybe. Long Island, right to work. Could be. I think if I go back, to, I'm not going to stay long on this. I go back to uh, 
The rent in Buffalo in 1978 was $62 a month, right? So, yeah, I, I could work at the wherever right. and pay it. If you want to even exist on the island, you have to come up with six, eight to split something. Right. So, yeah, there is that lack of year yeah, off. No, it, it costs money to be in the metro area. Yeah. Here. It really does. So it does push them in a direction. Yeah. So, so internship, are they st- not during the college years because they're very common to do that. Correct. After they they're graduate. They're necessary, actually. After they should be. They should be mandatory. After they graduate, yes? Do they feel funny about taking an internship? I would imagine well, they do. We, they don't feel funny about it because it really it's no different than an entry-level position. I know. And you just don't of, get paid. Well, no. but more often, more do pay now Thank than goodness. Not. When you're a student, you get credit. Mm-hmm. And the onus of the student is on the school. Yeah, yeah. Any liability, any of that stuff yeah, yeah. is the school's responsibility in lieu of the credit. Mm-hmm. So we don't give you money. We give you credit, but you are the responsibility of the school. Mm-hmm. School's over and you get an internship, it tends to be a paid position. It should be. As it sh- of course it should and be. I think you're, what you're saying is there's almost a contract. Yes. So therefore, once money is exchanged, the liability is concreted. Correct. Sure, it makes sense. It's yeah. always about liability. You know, and there are also companies that do training programs. Yeah. A lot of media companies do it. Um, Madison Square Garden, MSG, has sure. an amazing internal program. Sure. I, can, I can cite a number of companies that do it. It's a smart move. It's typically six, nine, 12 months. Uh, and then on, if you really prove yourself and establish yourself, then you got a job. That's one of the questions that got me in trouble at an APC event where you were hosting your first big one. Uh, you were up on stage. You had the podium. And it was down the Art Directors Club. I think, yeah. And uh, I asked okay. the people, because you had some big names. You had AKQA. You had some big oh, agencies right. okay. there. You have better memory than me. Uh, yeah. I, I always did. But you're and younger than I am. By 18 months. Uh, I asked, why aren't you incubating these youngsters? Why aren't you doing something to put them in a position where you're getting the next crew? And they got mad at me. Well, and I understand. You, you were, as you often are, Pat, your question was ahead of its time. Today, there's a different mindset about incubating. And there are more because, again, of technology. There are companies, organizations like NextGen. Yeah. They're out there promoting, advocating on behalf of young people, whether it's entrepreneurial or, or just some you know specific business. It's the right thing to do. Um, but you know, if you're lucky and you get the entry level or the paid internship, you get a good mentor, Hopefully. someone that's going to take you under Hopefully. your wing. And the last APC event we did was Rising Stars and Mentors. Yeah. And this line of questioning, if you would ask that question at this event, would have been embraced. You would have gotten a very different response. Absolutely. If you could write a career prep curriculum, and we've talked about this over the years, what do you think is is necessary? Like, I hate to say skill sets on the way out because every kid's going to tell you, oh, I can do all that. And then you sit them down in front of Excel, and it's like they're trying to uh, figure out their checkbook, and they freak without a you know, a smartphone. That's because they don't know what a checkbook is. No, they don't. No, they don't. Uh, and that's okay, too. I'm all about of going forward. No, it's, it's... Well, it's another discussion. We just had that, the uh, and myself with a friend. If you could write a career prep curriculum, what would you key on? You don't have to write the whole thing, but what would you key on? If you had an outline, you have to have this course or make up the course or... So you're actually talking about curriculum? Kind of an the, orderly, sequential, but f- integrated... specific to career prep. Career prep. You're going into the office for the first time, 
you know, I, I had my students in the other day. We brought in the marketing teacher. She's wonderful, Lauren Lebb. And we had the marketing students, and they were going through their pitch. And the designers looked like they had, were going to the zoo. They were like, what is, what is that? You know, they had wire, and I had to say to them, you have to learn how to sit quiet, pay attention, and not say a word, regardless of how boring you think this discussion is. Because you're going to be in a conference room in six months. You bet. And someone's going to be explaining to you, right, that widgets are not selling in Kentucky. And you have to listen. And two of the kids who were currently doing internship look back at me and goes, absolutely. So what kind of skills? What's the different break well, between these things? skill sets are just part of it. And when you think about certain skills, you don't really even need to advance your life forward. And it doesn't even have to be within a career, but just life in general. Um, and you know my line, it's all about moving forward. Because if you're <laughs> not Pat, you are sitting still. There you go. <laughs> um, but you don't, you know, intelligence, compassion, uh, effort, attitude, there's a variety of things out there that you never learn in school. Yeah. And those are, we call them soft skills, but they're really hard skills. They're really important skills. Yes. And, and because of the cultural fit today, look, you, you go to school, you, you major in X, and you come out with a degree, and you've got skills. Um, you know, they may not be practical because you haven't used them on, it, yeah. on a job site yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. But those skills are the hard skills. But because of the cultural fit today, if you're not surrounding yourself with some of the softer skills, yeah. which are more qualities than they are skills. Yeah. So from a training point of view, creating a curriculum, I talk and emphasize the cultural fit. You know, you can give your credentials to anybody and they go, these are great. But then they're going to have a conversation with you. Yeah. And that's where there sometimes can be a disconnect, especially with students today, because they're so driven Inverted. by Inverted. They're, you know, they're the inside the technology. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. And that word scares people. Scared, yes. It definitely scares this generation because what I do sometimes to have fun is I always say I'm going to text you. I'm in the middle of a lecture and I'm going, I'm just going to text you the lecture. Maybe you'll, no, my kids have been wonderful with this. But uh, Jim Carrey, and I've said this 20 times at least, Jim Carrey of all people, who I would not, I'm not going to go with philosopher or king here, but Jim Carrey said, if you've been hearing about the zombie apocalypse, it's here now. But they do. I mean, I'm in Manhattan. It's that lack. It. Yes. That but you lack. walk around the campus here. I walk around the campus of Stony Brook. They just stare. It is extraordinary. There is that zoning out mentality or and quality. This, and this is, yeah. It's where I feel like, uh, you know, because I've been involved in this for 32 years, that space. And I feel very guilty at times. I don't feel guilty about no. it. I don't. Um, <laughs> in fact, when I do any kind of lecture presentation in a classroom, I ask all the students to please put their phones yeah. away. I ask that, but they uh, just take them out well, when I'm on the other side of the I room. I watch, and I'm not going to embarrass yeah, let's anyone not go that and way, do yeah. that. But I, I prefer that they just give me the 20, 30, 40 minutes yeah. I'm asking for. You know, and I, we won't go down that road. It's a whole other it, podcast all the time. Correct. I, and I agree with you. But one of the things that they do do, do, do? exactly, <laughs> okay. is they think they know software like Microsoft Office, like Word, because it's boring stuff. It's it's not enjoyable it's not to the them. Sexy software. Right. But when you get to the job, you need to know how to use. My it. son looked at me and said, 
Why didn't I ever learn Excel? Oh. I'm like, I couldn't, because he's doing ad budgets for Facebook, you know, for his accounts for Facebook. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's am- and I don't want to talk about, I'm not talking about vocational, but it's definitely this disconnect for them. It forces them to go, oh, I really don't know everything about this space. I, there are things to learn. And when they get to a job, needing that learning and the employer wanting to take the time to give it to them may not work out. Well, look, if you're entry level, the key word there is entry. You cannot be expected to walk into a job and know everything. I, I think that's an expectation that's unfair. Mm-hmm. And there are certain work environments that do that. Um, I would like to think that our schools, and some are doing it better than others, some aren't doing it really well at all, but I would like to think that we're giving our students what I call the LLC, the low learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, so at least when you get to the job site, you've got better than working knowledge of Excel or so on. Um, you know, you, you, you have to have the basic skills. So back to your question of yeah. curriculum for career path, you do have the basic skills today or better then. You can't be an eclectic resume because if you have too much going on, the first question we're going to ask is, well, what do they do? It has to be a core. So we talk about what your core is, how to build off that. It's good to have diversity of skills, but you still need to have that core strength because that's what a company is typically going to be interested in. They want you for something specific. Any added value you can bring to Mm. it, that's awesome. And added value is part of that curriculum. But the two key words for the whole thing really are target and connect. Yeah. You do need to have a sense of where you want to go. And the way to do that, other than the education you got at school, is to understand the marketplace you're after. Yeah. And that's where most students lose sight of the navigational path. If you don't know the market, how are you possibly going to penetrate that market? You've got to research your market. Well, I'm going to get back to that in a second. I just want to reintroduce you one more time. Today we're speaking with Jimmy Levin from Stony Brook University, and his own company is JobSearchTherapy.com. Best name for a company for job recruitment I've ever heard in my life. Uh, Thank you. It really is. i got to tell you, when I first, and who helped build the website? You. Of course. You. Anyhow, uh, I loved it from the I'd beginning. I'd have it no other way. <laughs> <laughs> Free labor. <laughs> Internship. There's a broom closet somewhere. You, I'll, I'll give you school credit. <laughs> yes. I gave you the chance of a lifetime, yeah. Beth. <laughs> yeah. And what did you give? Never mind. We're going to go too far. All right. Uh, I taught your son how to work a camera. Yes, you shortened, and that's why I called you. Uh, but anywho, uh, the point I wanted to bring up, I have a freshman class right now. It is... You know, 11 freshmen in design. First assignment this semester. Go on to, I love WordPress just because it's simple. Guys, I want you to build a WordPress site for yourself. You're only second semester freshman. What am I going to put on it? Everything and anything you have. And guess what else you're going to put on? Who is your influence? Whose work do you like? What are the companies out there that might hire you? Take a look around. It may not be the right one, but I need you to look and say, I think I want to be in TV. Well, let's do that. Radio, print, anything you want to do. I want to work for Google. We all do, son. Uh, But, like, I want them to understand the marketplace. They put up a resume, leave out personal info because we don't want that right now, put up a contact. But the freaky thing is what you just talked about. As second semester freshmen, 
they're like, what are you, what are you talking about, Jobs? I'm a, I, they really have that connection to high school still. Well, look, that is not unnatural, and it's really a normal thing. Right. But we are encouraging, and you and I have talked about this before because I've actually worked at some of the high school, one of the high schools you sure, work with. You do. Um, I'm a big advocate of putting in some career development uh, integration into the um, 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 student, the student advising yeah, sure. uh, or uh, they used component to, of the school. They used to. Yeah, but they haven't done it in years. No. Um, and I think kids I should leave high school with some sense of, okay, in four quick years when I'm done with college, oh my God. you know, you've got one of two choices really when you, when you graduate. Either you've got to get a job or you continue your education. Yeah. I mean, there's really not much else to think about. So we at Stony Brook, we have a very robust career development program, and we are very focused on the freshmen for that very reason. Um, and the ones that do get it and participate in career development, it's not mandatory, but we do a variety of presentations with all the freshmen in each curriculum, engineering, uh, tech, healthcare, the finance community, business, um, and so on. Sure. We make it a point that yeah. our career experts get to the reach out to yeah. the faculty and or the deans of those departments, and we make sure that we get involved a couple times each semester. Yeah. And it's impactful. And you're kind of checking up on them. Right. But you can tell who gets it because those are the ones that make the appointments with a career coach at the career center. Sure. And typically, the freshmen who are involved in that now, Hmm. they're just much further ahead and they're thinking about resume, they're thinking about credentials, they're thinking about cover letter, they're, they're researching their market already. And they will have a point of view and they will also find internships easier and more quickly Absolutely. than those that don't do it. I, I wanted, I'm going to do this in a second, but I wanted to give you uh, the best job description written up by a second-year student on his resume in 30 years. I'm ready to hear it. I got the resume, and I read vehicular food distribution manager. So is that like a food cart guy? He was a pizza delivery guy. Cool. <laughs> I was like, say it one more time. Vehicular food distribution manager. Manager. And I Not said, professional manager. No, manager. I said, Craig, what is this? This is Craig Campagnone, 1989. I go, what is this? He goes, ah, deliver pizza. And I was like, you know what? You're in sales is what you are. You're in marketing and sales. Or a copywriter. That's that's where we were. We were in advertising. um, It was a brilliant – I just loved this kid to death. It was fantastic. It's very good. Somebody helped him. Nah, maybe not. He was pretty sharp. Uh, The question handed to me, and we're going to go next to Q&A. But this one I want to get through first is two things. And I don't want to spend long on this because we've really answered it, but I just want to say it clearly. Has the transformation to digital helped or hurt these students to prepare them for their future? Do they think they know it all already and it is the only place their world exists? Do they wind up being so zombie apocalypsed that they miss out on really where this is? There's never a one-size-fits-all right. to that kind of a question because there are students exceptions to every rule. Absolutely. I would say the majority, based on my experience, they are zombied. And they do have that sort of entitled, I know what I'm doing kind of approach and attitude. Um, but they really don't. You know, there's a, I think it's awesome. I, I used the term digital uh, native earlier. Yeah. These kids have grown up with a keyboard and a touchpad. Absolutely. And it's great. 
Um, but yet they don't really understand the value no. of what a tool and what a great mechanism no. the Internet is and technology can yeah. be. So with that, it's a great social tool for them. It's a communication device. You know, it's Star Trek. It's their little communication device. Oh, my Lord. Um, and that's kind of how they run their lives. They manage their lives through their pocket device. Um, but if they were to take it a level deeper, and this is part of what we train, take that level deeper and see that this is a tool not just it's face it's graduating from Facebook to LinkedIn. Yes. There's the social media. That's exactly component. what I tell him, James. Um, you know, Facebook is fun, I got it. And you can use it as a professional mm. device to a degree. But for it's, marketing. Right. So but you really if you're out there as thinking as a professional, you gotta go deeper. Yeah. And I think that's where the disconnect is and that's that threshold that we yeah. need to teach. And I when I say we, not just career development teachers, but teacher, teachers. teachers in general. Yeah. Parents should yeah. be doing this. Yeah, well, they, well that's another that's a, discussion. Right. That's a whole different discussion for sure. I'm so upset about the way these uh, this financial stress has damaged the family in the last 30 years. Well, but it's but I real. Do wanna, uh, it's it is real. very real. So. I want to ask you another quick one. And uh, this is right to your sweet spot, so to speak. Uh, academics versus professionals and how you, we had this conversation on the phone yesterday or today, I forget, I think it was yesterday. Uh, how, that's, that's really what kind of sold you, right, to them. That you're part academic, but heavily professional, but you have this great uh, kind of connection yeah. to major agencies and media companies in the well, city. Well, part of my marketing in job search therapy as a consultant is, especially with the college and entry-level demographic, is that I like to see myself as the bridge mm -hmm. from classroom to career. There you go. Um, I come out of the world of commerce and career. Yep. I've spent a lot of years out there. Um, creative services is certainly my real sweet spot, but it's business in general, and today it's technology and mm -hmm. communication. So it, it's a variety of areas I work with. But coming from that world, I have, I think, better than most academics. And mm -hmm. I don't mean this to be uh, disrespectful. I don't want to minimize, yeah. you know, the knowledge they have. But I work more with the hiring managers yeah. in the real world. And I think I have a pretty good uh, But it's a, it's a, it's a good yin-yang. Yes, it is. It's so, a good union. So my last 10 years through reinvention, and you were really my first entree into the world of academia. Yeah. It was. So I reached out to you. But I had a, there was a selfishness to it as well. Mm. It was, yes, to talk to you about what's going on in the schools today, sure. what the kids are learning. But I was also a recruiter. And I was involved in creative services. It's yeah. youth-driven. Yeah. I needed young talent. And yeah. I was new in the business. And you've done that with Rob Handley, John Mazzarella. Erica Lander, Jasmine Chelly, and these are off the top of my head. So, I don't know uh, the rest. Look, I'm all about mentoring, guiding, teaching, helping. I think that's what it's all about in any profession. I think it's important to do that. I did it my first career, and I do it now. Mm -hmm. uh, there are students that I'm coaching. They're students. We call them clients, but they're students. And if some of them just have their stuff together, oh. I'm happy to put their resume in front of a client of mine. And I'm happy to tell you that some of the kids that I'm working with at Stony Brook, have, they're in the interview process now. Wonderful. Partly because of me. But your door opened to me, the world of academia. And then I just started reaching out to other schools. Yeah. Well, you're with, you uh, were with, primarily New School. 
Well, I'm still with New School. I still do their capstone project for the grad students, and I do a boot camp a couple times a year for career development. So I lecture at uh, Hofstra in their communications department, usually a couple times a year. I've done Adelphi, um, where else? Uh, City Tech, Brooklyn, and Manhattan. So I'm still aligned with the schools, but my focus now is Stony Brook because that's where I'm working. That's where you're mainly. I do want to ask one question that a student... I set up an email for the show and asked students to submit questions. Uh-oh. So I'll give you one. Okay. I'm not – this is a very short one, and I'm doing that on purpose. The student or the question? Well, the student, I'm pretty mad, normal. Uh, this is the sign I got. That's why I'm doing it. Uh, s- the student who you happened to meet outside the studio before sent this question in. Uh-oh. What are the hours like for a beginning designer? Someone in the design, I know. I didn't want to tell her. I wanted you to tell her. Okay. Um, If you are involved in creative services on any level, design, account, strategy, the finance side, let me just preface it with this. From the financial crash of 2008, that changed everything. And it put every industry in the do more with less mindset. And that, of course, is impossible. You don't do more with less. But when a budget goes bad, the first industry to get hit is creative services. Yep. There's no way around that. So here we are now, 2018, 10 years later. Yep. We're still doing more with less. It's just become part of our norm. Um, but the advertising and creative community has really abused that. Yes, sir. Do more with less. So I don't say this to turn anyone away or off from it, because if your passion isn't creative, please pursue your passion and dream. But no going in, back to your question, you are going to work your backsides yep. off. There's no real structure. You can show up at 8, you can show up at 9, you can show up at 10. But you are not leaving until the job right. is done. And if it's done at 4 in the afternoon, have a nice day. That's right. And if you get a call from your client at 6 in the evening, something's got to be changed you're going to hear from your director or your direct report that, guys, we got to stay. That's right. And that's the way it is. In the great words of Leo Burnett, if anybody's in the elevator at 5 o'clock, you better be getting hamburgers. Or coming in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that was a great you line. Know, put, yeah. Putting the second shift on. All it. right. We want to kind of wrap this up because, believe it or not, we've been talking for over 40 minutes. Really? Yes. So I've come up with a new little rap tagline. Uh-oh. Tell me what you think. Pencils down. Well, very oh, okay. Okay. What did we learn today, class? We close, learned close what to expect when you graduate. We learned how to prepare for a career, your first move. Uh, what skills you may need. And I, we need you now to really rethink, rethink, can you really multitask? Does that really exist or are you just wasting well, you, time you know my theory twice as fast? Multitasking, yeah. look... <laughs> Almost every job description has, must have the ability to multitask. I think multitasking is a bad term. Sure. Because to me, it dilutes the quality of getting something done. done. If you're doing two, three, four things at a time, you're not really accomplishing two, three, four times. But that things. was the guy in Mary Poppins, right, with the drum and Correct. So one final thought on that, though, because this is important for the students that are listening. Um, and I've been to many creative meetings where we've talked about we've got to get X, Y, Z, A, B, C done today. And I would raise my hand and say, with all due respect, which client is screaming the loudest? Yeah. There's always an answer to that question. Sure. That's your priority. Prioritize your time. 
Learn time management. I really wish we could go more. Uh, because pattern recognition is, to me, the biggest uh, benefit virtue to have. Because if you can look at a mess, and I think you do that as yeah, well as I, that's why we're friends. If you can look at that mess and see where that mess straightens up, you've just prioritized your work day. There you, you go. And you don't have to do four things at no. once. You can see no. where they fit. You can put a round peg in a square hole. That can be done. Yeah. But you can't put three round pegs in one square hole. Yep. Cannot be done. Uh we're going to talk, we're not talking now about this, but also how to use your smartphone superpowers for good and not as a distraction. Uh, how to go from college to career. Hopefully we covered that. We talked a little bit about what curriculum may be needed and ingested by you, the student, or by the school itself. But I think we covered a tremendous amount in 42 minutes. Uh, I do want you to say clearly what your website is. Uh, your business site that you can help people individually. Well, I appreciate that plug. Um, JobSearchTherapy.com, um, that is my consulting business. And really, it, if you look at the site, you'll see clearly um, the service that I provide. It's all about career transition, whether you're going from the classroom to career. It's about career transition as career disruption. I live that life. Yeah, I know it, it well. I'm a good student of that game. Um, even though I'm more focused on the entry-level college demographic, I do work with the intermediate and senior-level job hunters. Um, they're the most challenging because age does play a role in finding a job today. Sure. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, and there you are, defied those odds, too, though, didn't I you? I did defy those odds. Yes, you I did. did. Um, I think it's cool, and they don't care how old I am. They see yeah. the value I bring, yeah. and that's what they're focused on. So, But that message, by the way, is what you all should be thinking about when you're looking for a job, and that's the theory of job search therapy. What's your added value? Yeah. It's not about you. You need a job. You want a job. But the truth, human resources, hiring managers, they don't care about you. They have a need. If you fit the criteria, they are interested in talking. So you have to integrate your skill, your culture belief, your knowledge of what they do, um, but make sure it's added value to them. What can you do for them? Jimmy Levin. James Jimmy Levin. Thank you very much for With taking my the pleasure. time today. Thanks We've for having We've been friends me. for over a decade. At least. Yeah. And it's nice to see you here. Thanks a lot, James. Thank you. Bye. Like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at wcwp.org. Like us at facebook.com slash mywcwp and leave a comment or tweet us at mywcwp. We welcome all kinds of feedback. To directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit WCWP.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.